Hey everybody, it's Dan. Welcome or welcome back to the Bridge Church Podcast. Please, at the end of this episode, take a moment to subscribe to our YouTube channel and head over to bridgechurchutah.com and have access to all of the church information and it's the easiest way to share content with a friend and keep up with everything going on around here at Bridge Church. Most importantly, I hope the following presentation inspires you to take your next step in your faith journey. Enjoy. Well, welcome everybody. Again, this is part three in a series that we're calling, What on Earth Am I Here For? What is my job? What is my purpose? Is it to annoy everybody? Raise children that are out of control? fund a college education of some young people? <laughs> what is my purpose here, right? If you've been following along, uh, notes are in the back. Uh, if you're a guest today, uh, there's black three-ring binders that are for you to have to keep track of notes in uh, and, and to, to just study past what happens in this place on Sunday mornings. Can you, can you do that? Just kind of refresh the scriptures and get them in your heart and uh, let this change your life because uh, we believe that we're not just coming together to do church. We're coming together for life change, right? Nobody leaves this place the same. So week one, we had talked about God's will for our life, right? It's intimacy with him. That's what he wants, uh, a lot of the problems with that are on our end, right? Uh, last week, we talked about your ministry calling. What are you going to commit your life to? Uh, God has put specific gifts and talents in your, uh, a part of you that will help you operate in this earth. And he has created you for such a time as this to, to do something, right? We're not just supposed to work and, and make all this money and then give it to our children, when we kick the bucket, that's not the point. We're here for such a time as this to make a difference, right? Thank the Lord that Noah made a difference, right? Thanks the Lord that Esther did something to make a difference in her life. Thank God that the apostle Paul made a difference in when he was here, right? Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, all of them made a difference when they were here because they were here for such a time as this. So are you, right? Especially if you're a disciple of Jesus. Today, in week three, I want to talk about being empowered to do what God created you to do. Being empowered. It comes with some juice, okay? And I used to, when I was playing sports, we had a guy on our team, one of the teams I played on, his nickname was Juice, and he was crazy. He, he, I don't know if he had like a disability or what, but he would never sit still. He was always moving. He was always talking, never stopped. But we called him Juice because he was like electrified. There was parts to him that were like just different and weird. But it was amazing to watch him play his craft, the thing that he was gifted to do because he had more power than anybody else. And it was an amazing thing to watch. So we called him Juice. So we are empowered as believers by the Holy Spirit to do what God asked you and created you to do. And that's what we're going to talk about. Now our heart, Michelle and I, our heart for this ministry, that if you've been around here any amount of time, you realize that our vision for Bridge Church 
is for all of you to know God, right? You've seen the signs out there. You're, it's to know God, find freedom, discover your purpose, and make a difference. Those four things are what we are all about. Inside of those four things, we want to empower you to make a difference. And if, we, if, if I was to do this all by myself, it would be a hot mess. Right? It would be a, not even a hot mess. It would be a disaster of epic proportions because I can't do the sound. I can't take care of the children. I can't stop a screaming baby, right? Uh, my generation, we just put them outside. That's, all, that's how you stop this baby from screaming. But we have to, as people, if you're a manager or a leader or a boss of any kind, you have to empower people to help you in your whatever it is, your job, your life, whatever, okay? Now, if we don't empower people and end up doing everything ourselves, guess what happens? Epic fail, right? You can't, you got too many balls in the air, things are gonna start falling through the cracks and we're gonna have issues. When I started preaching, I was, I was a youth pastor, kind of, not really, just kind of a helper to the youth pastor, but I never knew what to say. I was like, Lord, what do I say to these teenagers? And, and the Lord said, it's not about what you say, it's about what I say. And if you notice on your handout, and most handouts and most weeks, these messages that I prepare anyway, they're usually pretty full of scripture because I want you to hear from God, not me. And my prayer is always that the anointing of God is speaking through me, and it's not about me. It's not my message, it's his message, right? And besides that, I always knew that I wasn't smart or gifted enough to do this right, so I have to depend on God and gifted people to help me, right? And where my gifts end, uh, Pastor Michelle's gifts take over. And where her gifts end, Dominic's gifts take over. And where Dom's gifts end, Teresa's gifts take over, and Chase's gifts take over after that, and Hannah's gifts after that. If you look at our church staff, and if you were here Wednesday night, we talked about gifts, and last week we talked about gifts. We want to, our goal is always to have those gifts represented in our staff someplace so that we cover all the bases and we empower you to do what God wants you to do, right? Are you with me? We want to empower you. So today, how can I be empowered, right? Look at your neighbor and say, how are you going to be empowered? Thanks for asking. Number one on your handout there is receive Jesus, right? Everything starts with Jesus as our Lord. Number one on your handout. And in John chapter 1, verse 12, and I'm going to read from the King James Version this week, just this verse, and it says, but as many as received him, say received, Receive. to them he gave power, say power, to become the sons of God, even to them that believe, believe, receive, and power in his name. It's kind of important that we understand that because he gave power, right? Power, Jesus gave power to those who received him. It's interesting. Think about that for a minute. Received him. I'm not saying believed in him, I'm saying received him. 
because there is a massive difference in believing in Jesus and receiving Jesus. Big difference. Jesus is the Savior of the Lord, but he's not your Savior until you receive him. And we're going to talk about that today because when you receive him, you receive the power that comes with him. You release him to be all that God intended Jesus to be in your life. You're all hanging on the end of that, I can tell, right? Because it's important. Half, I bet most of the church believes Jesus is who he is. That's easy, right? Even the, we talked last week about the demoniac at the Gadarenes. Even the demon believed that Jesus was who he said he was. Believed. But most of the church, Christian circles today, haven't received Jesus, right? Jesus has all the power, and you cannot have that power released in your life until you receive Jesus. So what does it mean to receive someone or something, okay? This is critical to life because I went through most of my Christian life not knowing or understanding how to receive. It was our last ministry assignment in California at Victory Christian Center that my pastor taught me how to receive. Men in this room, you, most of you, besides a select few that I know, do not know how to receive. Because if somebody walked up to you and said, hey, brother, I want to bless you with $100, you'd be like, no, I'm okay, I'm good, thank you, though, I'm fine. That's not learning how to receive. Because if we take and think biblically for a second, the seed time and harvest principle of sowing and reaping, you are stealing and robbing a blessing from somebody else because you're not receiving it, number one. Number two, God is not opposed to you receiving things. There was a season in our life where we really, when we moved from one ministry to another, we took a two-thirds cut in pay, and we were starving to death. We were eating mac and cheese and hot dogs every day. People would walk up to us and want to bless us with the Holy Spirit handshake, right? You ever see that with the $100 bill rolled up in there and, and try to bless us? And I would be like, no, because I was full of pride and arrogance. And I would say, no, we're fine. We don't need a handout. We don't need your help. When all reality, that's all we needed was help, right? And, and counseling, talk about counseling. Let me help you. Can I, can I speak a word to you? Can I sow into your life? Can I help you? with something and be like, I don't receive that. I don't hear that, right? And, and that's just pride and arrogance speaking out. Us as Christians have to learn how to receive. That's why most of the church hasn't received Jesus because they think I'm fine. I can believe in Jesus. I believe in the gospels. I believe what he did, but I don't receive him as my Lord and Savior, and I'm going to tell you why. Thanks for coming, right? When we give, when we're giving something to somebody, right, we're exercising our wills, right? And we're in control when we're doing the giving. But when we're receiving, different story. When we receive, we are submitting our will to that person. If my youngest here 
was going to bless me with a $100 bill. In order for me to receive that $100, this is prophecy, okay? <laughs> if I was to receive that $100 bill, I would have to submit my will to his to receive it. Are you with me? Right? I, in order to receive that, I would have to say, okay, Chase, I am submitting to your authority and receiving that will. My will is submitted to his as I receive it. Okay? Sometimes it's harder to receive than it is to give. It's easy to give stuff away. That's easy. Receiving, not so, not so easy. When, we're, when we give, we're in control. What we must yield that control to receive. Right? So go with me on this thing because we're not done yet. When we're, sub when we're receiving, we are submitting our will. I think this is on your handout. There is a submitting of our will in receiving. Right? And men, as men, we don't like submitting our will to anybody. We don't like it because it could be a sign of weakness, could be a sign of, of you know, we're the the men who take care of everything and we supply the need and we fix stuff and we fill the car with gas and we open doors. We do all this stuff, but when it comes to somebody doing it to us, it's like sign of weakness. Don't like it, right? Here's the kicker in this whole thing. You can't receive power to become a child of God until we submit our will to his and receive him as Lord. That's the problem. We cannot, we cannot receive the power to become a child of God until we receive him. When we receive Jesus, the power is released in us because our will is no longer in charge. Are you with me? And when we submit our will to his, his power is released in us. Okay? Now think about this for a minute. What about, what about receiving your spouse? Right? If you're married. Submitting your will to hers. What about a boss? What if you submit your will to your boss's will? The power of God can be released in your life when you are submitting your will to someone else. Because then, you, you know, your mind, your will, and your emotions, your soul, that we talk about causes so much trouble, is released. The power of God can then be released in your life your children, your job. There's a multitude of things once you start receiving that you can release in your life and the power of God will be released in those things. So, have you received Jesus as your Lord and Savior? Question number one. Okay? This is how we're empowered when Jesus is received into us. Number two, this is a big one, as is the third one. Again, I believe that the church, the current day church, struggles in all these. Number two, receive the Holy Spirit. Receive the Holy Spirit. Acts 1.8, out of the whole New Testament, out of all the parables, all the gospels, all the Pauline letters, Revelation, Timothy, the pastoral epistles, all of the New Testament, I believe Acts 1.8 is probably, more than likely, absolutely the most important verse in all of the New Testament, and it's missed by 
almost everybody and mostly not really preached about. Number, uh, Acts 1.8 says this, but you, so look at your neighbor, point at your neighbor and say, you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you shall be witnesses. You got a problem of witnessing? Maybe you don't have any power. Ouch, he said. Shall be witnesses to me, capital M, Jesus, in Jerusalem and in Judea and in Samaria and to the end of the earth. Let me rephrase this, that you shall be witnesses to me in Salt Lake City, in all of Utah and in the United States and to the end of the earth when that thing is received into your heart. How many of us have believed in Jesus? We've heard about the Holy Spirit, but we have not received either one. People have more trouble praying and not getting an answer to their prayers because they have not received Jesus. They have not received the Holy Spirit. When they haven't received the power of the Holy Spirit because they haven't received the person, third person of the Godhead, Holy Spirit. Again, receiving, right? Submitting my will to his will. This is deep and it hurts. Now in Acts 8, verse 14, there's a story that uh, I want to explain something that most church people don't understand or haven't heard about before. In uh, chapter 8, verse 14, now when the apostles were at Jerusalem and heard that Samaria received, submitted, received the word of God or the gospel, they sent Peter and John to them. Remember, Samaria, these aren't, aren't the pure Jew people, Jewish people. They're, you know, Samaritans. That's why there was so much trouble between the Jewish people and Samaritans because they were like half-breeds. They were, they were mixed. They weren't full, you know, children of Israel. But they had received the gospel, so they're sending the heavy hitters in to go see what's going on over there because Philip, the evangelist, was over there evangelizing, and, and it was spreading like wildfire. So they had sent uh, Peter and John over there because the gospel was taken off. These scriptures, this story right here is very heated. There's a lot of tension around this because I believe in my theology this is a direct result of Acts 1.8, right? A direct fulfillment of Acts 1.8. Verse 15, uh, it, they sent Peter and John to them who, when they had come down, prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit, okay? For as yet, for as yet, he had fallen on none of them. They had only been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus, baptized in water. These people are believers. They have been baptized in water. No Holy Spirit. That's different because I believe in salvation, in the salvation experience, the Holy Spirit brings the conviction that brings you to understand you need a Savior, right? But there's a second account that happens a second significant experience with the Holy Spirit that is receiving him. Are you with me? Remember, these people, this, this uh, Philip's over there evangelizing. People are getting saved. 
They believe who Jesus is, maybe even receive who Jesus is, but they do not have the Holy Spirit work in their lives. Verse 17 says, then they laid hands on them and they, say it, received the Holy Spirit. Receive means submit, right? So there is a second um, significant experience that comes with the Holy Spirit. You can be filled with the Holy Spirit, which I believe is submitting and receiving the Holy Spirit in your life, right? If, if uh, you can be saved, you can be baptized, you can go to church forever, but until you receive the Holy Spirit, the gifts of the Spirit that we talked about last week have no power and have no authority in your life because you have not yet received the Holy Spirit. Now in Acts 19, verse 1 and 2, and it happened while Apollos was at Corinth that Paul, having passed through the upper regions, came to Ephesus and finding some disciples. If they're disciples, they're believers. They've been saved. No Holy Spirit. He said to them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? That's a, that's a great question. Let me ask you that. Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? Well, that's a question for the ages, right? So they said to them, we have not so much as heard whether there is a Holy Spirit. It must have went to the same church I went to when I grew up. Because nobody ever talked about the Holy Spirit. It was like the Father, Son, and then Holy was over here and Spirit was over here. That's, that's about as far as it went. And every once in a while, they blamed that funky smoke that made everybody cough on it on the Holy Spirit. That was it. Right? Some people I know are allergic to that smoke. <laughs> Amen. So they haven't even heard of it. You can see the dual work of the Holy Spirit. There's salvation, and then there's an, another being filled with the Holy Spirit. These people, most scholars believe that Acts 19 is about 20 years after Pentecost. Okay? These believers hadn't ever heard of what happened in the upper room. They didn't understand, they didn't know, the word never got there, they didn't watch the YouTube video, the email didn't show up, they didn't get on church center, they had no idea what happened at Pentecost, and they're like, what Holy Spirit? So they laid hands on them, and they were filled. And it was, um, it's an amazing thing to understand that a lot of people today in church circles, a lot of you may not understand the Holy Spirit and how he, as a person, third person of the Godhead, works. Because if you're like me, in my life, I have seen excesses in this area to the point of going, these people are crazy, I'm walking away from church. It's happened before. The, the, the zaniness, the craziness, the, you know, no matter what you call it, but it, it's just people being people. Let me say that. It does not reflect who the Holy Spirit is because he is a person, he is God, and he is not nuts. Okay? He is not crazy. And a lot of this is focuses around a prayer language. Right? We in this Spirit-filled church believe in a prayer language. Now that, there's a personal prayer language and a public prayer language. One comes with, with uh, um, a... 
interpretation. How can I can never remember that word, right? And the other one in your personal prayer life is your personal prayer language. Do it however you want. But it's not going to make you crazy. It's not going to make you stand in a line at Harmon's, grab the phone and go, hey, she should have rode a Honda. It's like, that's not going to happen. Because you have control. Your spirit has control. There is always a prompting. It's like walking by the giving box and $100 jumping out of your pocket and jumping into the box. Is that ever going to happen? Let's just believe for it for a minute. Right? But listen, that's not going to happen. Because what happens is, I say, if you want to give today, okay, your spirit is now prompted to give. You're going to pick up your phone or you're going to write a check, or you're going to put it in the box, and you're going to put it over there. That's a prompting to do that thing. When the Holy Ghost prompts me to pray in my prayer language, there is complete control, right? Uh, my spirit is completely in control of what's happening, what's, some, like Pastor Michelle's prayer language is so beautiful and fluent, and I'm like, humana, 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 humana. You know, it's like train wreck, train wreck, train wreck or something. It's just a mess. And our overseer board, you get, you get like uh, Pastor Aida. Oh, just amazing. I'm like, Lord, why can't I pray like that? It's because you're not her spirit, right? She has complete control. She has complete knowledge of what's happening. And I think there's been excesses in this area, and it's freaked people out. Freaked me out so bad when I was newly saved, I was ready to walk away from the church and be like, not doing this. Those people are crazy. And any time that the Spirit manifests in our services, right, there will always be an explanation by one of us because we believe that's biblical and that's helping you to understand that God's not nuts. He does things decent and in order. Are you with me? Right? So there must be a submission to receive the Holy Ghost. Right? You have to submit your will to him so that he can run your life. Right? Jesus is important. Receiving Jesus is important. Receiving the Holy Spirit, imperative. And I'm saying receiving, not believing, receiving, right? Letting his will operate your life. Number three is the real hard one and the sticky one because nobody likes this part. And especially some of us who grew up pushing against authority. Number three, receive spiritual authority. Receive spiritual authority because many of us have received Jesus. Many of us have received uh, the Holy Ghost or Holy Spirit, however you want to say that, interchangeable, right? But we still do not understand. I didn't understand this until I was in college. How important spiritual authority is in your life. Both Michelle and I, as pastors, under shepherds to the shepherd, are under spiritual authority. I just said, I have a pastor. My pastor listens and watches what's going on here. And when he has a question or something's not according to this, 
He's like, hey, pick up the phone. We got to have a conversation. We have a board of overseers who are all people who have been in ministry 40 to 50 years. They know the book. They know the Holy Ghost. They know how it works. We are under their authority. We have a meeting every year, financially, physically, spiritually, we are under. Both Michelle and I, because we co-pastor this church, are under spiritual authority. That's the only reason we are allowed to pastor this ministry. According to the way this ministry was designed, is that we have to be accountable to somebody, spiritually, financially, and physically. I just can't be doing my own thing as much as I want to, right? And when we signed a lease on this building, it was, it was back. It was, they weren't sure that this was going to work because we are, who launches a church in the middle of a pandemic or towards the end of a pandemic? Who spends the amount of money we spent on this place? Not really knowing if our church family is going to be back. I mean, we had a good following on the stream. We were out there by faith, and all of them were saying, are you sure you heard from God on this? Because this is a faith stretch that I'm not going to do. <laughs> My pastor said, you are, you're out there on this one. Are you sure? And he said to me, us, on the phone, on the Zoom call, he said, we trust the God in you to get this done. We are under authority. I want to show you this, Acts 13. This is, this is important because unless you understand spiritual authority, you're not going to understand how this church works. Are you with me? I mean, you can receive stuff and you can, you can do whatever you want, but if you're not under the authority of a spiritual leader, you're outside of what God wants you to do. In Acts 13, listen carefully. He says, now in the church that was at Antioch, that's where church started at Antioch, the first believers, there were certain prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simon, who was called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, man who had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch and Saul. So there's church leadership right there, okay? The church leaders. As they ministered, that word minister is liturgio. Um, it's just uh, pastoring, right? Fulfilling an office, discharging a function, discharging a function, officiating as a priest. They were church leaders. They were pastors, teachers, and prophets taking in Antioch. They ministered to the Lord and fasted. Right? We just did a 21-day fast beginning of this year. Every year we fast for 21 days. Why? Because the Lord, the master shepherd, said so. Right? Uh, and the Lord, and they fasted, and the Holy Spirit said. Notice when the Holy Spirit talks, he speaks through spiritual authority. Okay? He said, now separate to me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. Then, having fasted and prayed and laid hands on them, they, say they, they, they the church leaders, sent them away. Notice who sent them. The church leaders, the spiritual authority, sent them. 
In order to be sent, you must be sent by church leaders, right? I believe that if you were not sent by the leaders of a church, you were not sent by the Holy Spirit because the way this account says, the church leaders by the Holy Spirit sent them, okay? Let me just back that up. This is not for control, which everybody thinks, well, I'm gonna have to be controlled by them. Our, our overseer board does not control what I preach, what I talk about, the money, the whatever. They wanna be involved in big financial decisions that are gonna ruin everything. Otherwise, put people on staff, we ask and we pray, and we, we ask our overseers, this particular person, we want to add to our staff as a pastor, counselor, Pastor Joel went through this, Patty went through this, we go through it, and they ask us the questions. Are they spiritually mature? Here's the biggest one, do they tithe? Because your heart is automatically a tie, um, attached to your money and your tithe, that's a big one. Right? And they say, are they mature? Have they handled God's people well? They go through this whole freaking list of, of questions. And if we can answer yes to all those questions, they say, we are in agreement with your decision to add somebody in the staff. That is spiritual authority. When the Lord gave us, uh, put it on our heart to come to Utah to plant a church, we just didn't pack up everything and come to Utah and plant a church. We sat in our pastor's office, explained it to him, and he said, let me pray and I'll get back to you. Then we got in the car, drove all the way over 80 miles to the other church we were a staff at, on staff at, and said, Pastor Tom, we believe the Holy Spirit is directing us to go plant a church in Utah. And he said, yes, let me pray about it and I'll get back to you. About a week later, we had a meeting with both of them and they said, we believe as your spiritual authority that you are called to plant a church in Utah. God, we were, then we came together, they laid hand on, hands on us at Victory Christian Center at the end of February in 2014. They blessed us with a stack of cash and said, go. Just like this account, the church leaders, those two pastors, plus their boards, all laid hands on us, empowered us by the Holy Ghost, and sent us to Utah to plant a church. And we are still under spiritual authority of those guys. Romans 13, verse 1 and 2, let every soul, that would include all of you, let every soul be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except from God. And the authorities that exist are appointed by God. That hurts sometimes. Think about it, right? Even that guy? Oh, yeah, sure. Therefore, whoever resists the authority resists the ordinance of God, and those who resist bring judgment on themselves. Everybody is under authority. If you don't think you're under authority, go find a policeman and punch him in his face you will see the authority of the policeman put your face on the pavement and take you to jail. It's just the way it works. But like the cops, 
right? What's their motto? We're here to protect and serve. Spiritual authority is to protect you and to serve you. We pray in this circle every, every morning, every Sunday morning, and Lord, we want to serve people today. But when the spiritual authority brings correction, oh, that's way out of line. I can't do that. I'm not going to have that. The discipline protects the sheep because our job as pastors, as under-shepherds, are to protect the sheep. And when somebody comes in and is hurting the sheep or messing things up and won't receive correction, there must be things done to protect the sheep. And we, we have determined we're never going to ask anybody to leave the ministry. But we can take action to protect the sheep. Okay? Whatever that looks like, we're going to do it. Right? People get out from under authority and break the rules. If you got a speeding ticket, you were out from under the policeman's authority and you were speeding and he pulled you over and gave you a ticket to protect everybody else who's under that authority. It's not pointed at you. It's not a you thing. It's uh, protect everybody else who's under authority. Hebrews says, 13, 17, obey those who rule over you. Be submissive. There it is again, receiving. For they watch out for your souls as those who must giving account. There is a submitting of our will in receiving, and that goes for spiritual leaders as well. And it's not about trying to run your stinking life. I can barely run my life. It's just about helping you to grow and understand when maybe some past teaching or something past that's affected your life is pushing you into a gutter. It's all about helping and protecting the sheep. We need to be empowered. And the only way we're going to be empowered is to receive Jesus, who he is, our wills to his, receive the Holy Spirit, and receive spiritual authority. I have authority in this ministry because I am a man, and Michelle is a woman, under authority. Jesus said himself, if you want authority or influence, be under influence or authority, right? Understanding and submitting to authority brings great faith. And you say, oh, pastor, why do you say that? Well, look at the, the, the centurion, right? The soldier who, who is in Matthew 8 is talking to Jesus. And he, first of all, he calls him Lord, right? Great respect. It would be, you know, respect's a whole nother message. And so is honor. But that soldier respects Jesus, and he calls him Lord. And, and he asks him, my daughter is ill. Please come to my house and pray for her and raise her. And, and um, Jesus says, I'll, I'll come to your house. And he says, you don't need to come to my house. Just say the word, and it shall be. And, and, the soul, and Jesus is baffled by this Gentile soldier, what great faith. Isn't it amazing if you read the, the Gospels? The two people who were commended for their faith weren't even Jewish, right? The, the centurion servant and the Canaanite woman in Matthew 15 were both commended for having great faith. I think it's because they had no, no religious past. 
Really, they were just believing what they were seeing and receiving it, making it easy, right? So it's like the, under, uh, the centurion understood and was submissive to Jesus' authority, and so was the woman. The Canaanite woman understood the authority, right? Your spiritual authority is meaningless in your, uh, unless you're under the authority. A lot of us have prayed and believed God and prayed and given and got no return and believing and all this stuff and prayed until our eyes were dry and had no response. Maybe it's because we're not under spiritual authority. Maybe we don't belong anywhere. I say it all the time, uh, maybe not even this church, but you as a person are designed to be in a church someplace in a body of believers someplace. That's the way it's designed, right? Now, if you're not under that, if you're not in those things, maybe because Satan understands authority and he knows when you're outside of authority, you got no power. Your prayers, your life, your spiritual life is not going to take effect without being under authority, without receiving the Holy Spirit, because that's where the power is, according to Acts 1.8, and without receiving Jesus as Lord. I love what Elizabeth Elliot says, who was a missionary to Africa, who physically watched her husband be executed. She said this, until the will and the affections are brought under the authority of Christ, we have not begun to understand, let alone accept his lordship. Pretty simple. You have to receive, submit your will, and accept the Holy Ghost, Jesus, because we want you to be empowered. We want you to be empowered to love, to serve, to witness, to rebuke the enemy. Get off my teenagers. Some of us, get out of my refrigerator. Right? We want to have that authority, but unless we're under that authority, it's not going to function in your life. So I want to ask you today, have you received Jesus? Have you received the Holy Spirit? Are you submitting your will to him? Are you submitting, not my will, but your will? Jesus said to his father in the garden, not my will, but your will. Let's be empowered for victory. So here's what I want to do. I want to have the prayer team come, okay? And if you haven't, we're going to place just some music, and if you haven't received the Holy Ghost past the salvation experience, and, and let me just uh, address the evidence thing. Evidence is just putting pressure on you. I want you to receive the Holy Ghost today. I want you to receive Jesus today. So all these three people are here. We're going to have a, um, just some music playing. And, and I want you just to think for a second. Have I received Jesus? Have I received the Holy Ghost that, that submit my will to his? And if you pray in a prayer language, awesome. If you don't, awesome. But you can receive that power today. And the last thing I want to say about spiritual authority is growth track. You become a member of this house you are under spiritual authority. And for every member, and it ain't about membership, we don't even track membership, right? It's about being under spiritual 
authority. So let's all stand together. Hey, once again, thanks for listening. If you live in the Sandy, South Jordan, West Jordan, or Harriman area, we would love for you to engage with us at one of our weekend gatherings. For directions, service times, and information about our fabulous children's and student environments, head over to bridgechurchutah.com or email info at bridgechurchutah.com or you can simply text 801-391-6969. We're looking forward to seeing you soon.